Hey, welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home, the podcast dedicated to helping pet professionals feel less stress and find more joy in their life. Today, I have invited River Lee of the Savvy Groomer because she runs a course called Personal Finance on a Leash. And let's face it, most pet professionals are struggling with money. So welcome, River. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Colleen. How are you? I'm doing great today, and I'm really excited to have you. I've had several people request an episode on money, and that is not my area of expertise, although my husband is really careful with money, which means I don't have to be because I'm like, oh, the money is being taken care of. <laughs> but many pet professionals, well, I mean, let's face it, they're overworked and underpaid is a pretty standard situation for pet professionals. So they're, they're living on budgets and they're struggling to make ends meet. So I'm super excited to find someone with a background in grooming and a real focus on helping pet professionals thrive. So can you tell me what some of the challenges are that your clients have faced? So I mainly deal with pet groomers, but it works for all pet professionals. And that's what's incredibly important. What generally what happens is I always tell people the truth of the matter is if you do not treat your money, which is your budget, like your appointment book, it's just going to be chaos. Can you imagine whether a dog trainer, a groomer, or a veterinarian, if people just showed up whenever they wanted and you didn't plan it out, right? Because if you're a, pet, a dog trainer or a pet sitter, you have a scheduled time and a scheduled allotment, right? If you didn't, everything would overlap and clients would be clamoring. So really think about that. And I think with the budget, you have to remember that your budget can say ramen noodles or it can say filet mignon. I always tell people my most embarrassing fact, which is, do you know what my budget is for Starbucks monthly? What? $600. Oh my goodness. And so, but I can do that. I can have as many lattes as I want because I have a budget, which means that I have a limit. So if I want to spend $100 that month, I take the extra and I put it into my vacation fund. So that's what I generally find is their main concerns is how am I supposed to do this? They're very busy, busy, busy people. Mm -hmm. But just like booking an appointment, think about that. You still take the time every day to check your appointment book. If you have a call, you take their information, you input it into your book or into your software. If you didn't, you'd forget, you'd do, you know, it would just be chaos. So when you're doing your budget, make sure you're doing that. And doing a budget every month, that's forever. I have read that people who use cash tend to be more careful with their money than people who use cards, debit or credit cards, because you see the money going as opposed to just a little number on a screen. So this is actually very interesting because you actually, cards do not hit your pain receptors. When you hand cash, it actually lights up your pain receptors. I teach in my course something called the envelope system. Are you familiar with that? I am a little bit, but not necessarily everyone will be. So tell us a little bit about that. Great. So the envelope system is basically, let's say in your budget, you're agreeing to spend $400 a month on food. Some of us, I, so I have a very hard time not spending a lot on eating out. That is my weakness as well. So if I spend $400 a month eating out, I would put personally only $100 a week into that envelope. Because then I have $100 that week to spend. Now, if I'm a good girl and don't spend all of it, then next week I have the new $100 and what I had last time. And you can grow that. So if you want to have a really lovely Italian dinner or whatever it is that you guys want to do to go out, you'll have that money. But once it's gone, it's gone. 
but it's easier in the grocery store or when you're at the restaurant, when you're thinking, ooh, I think I want an appetizer. And you're looking in your envelope, you're like, but I also really, really want dessert. And so it's easier to go, okay, which, what am I willing to trade? It's easier when you have the money in front of you because it doesn't. When you pull out that plastic, you don't feel no. it, do you? No, it's really interesting. I was surprised by that when I had read some of the articles about that just adds up. And what you had said before about recording it and, and writing down what, what's gone out, when you are using a card, it's so easy to not keep track because you know it's being kept track of, but then you get the surprise at the end of the month, which I think hits a lot of people pretty hard. So there are different ways. So with mine, if people want to do cash, I actually in the course have custom envelopes that they can print out and make, and you can write on the envelope the amount. But actually using this app called Every Dollar is amazing. You can actually, there's two ways to use it. You can use it free where you can actually pull it up and go ahead and as you're like at the pump station, you're at the gas station, you actually put it in, say, okay, I'm spending $15 in the category, which you've already allotted for. I already gave $200 allotted and you can go ahead and input that amount of money right into it. The other thing is for a small upgrade charge, you, it'll actually link to your bank account, so you can just grab it and slide it. And this is really great for people that wanna do this for their business side, because then you can have, then you're not you know, using your business as your personal piggy mm -hmm. bank, because you have two budgets, and therefore, you know, when you're using your business card, you can link it right to there, and you can just bloop, pop it over. So I have two logins. I have a login for my business and I have a login for personal. And that's what I do because I'm mobile. I'm a mobile cat groomer. It's very difficult when you're on the road and you're trying to rush your next appointment. You're at the, you know, diesel system. Sometimes I just don't have mm -hmm. time, but I know it's in there and I can just pop it that over. That's awesome. I will link to that in the show notes so that people can find that. That's a very helpful thing. And I, I'm not familiar with every dollar app. So how do you help people feel like they can live on a tight budget without totally sacrificing and never having any fun again? And it's all just awful and draining and sad. Well, I, I want to say first that we have to decide what we want our, our wealth to be. And a wealth isn't always about money. It's about life. Sometimes it's about freedom. Decide what it is that ultimately you want in your life. And being a pet professional doesn't mean you have to be broke, right? Well, that's a surprise to many people. It is, but you know, and that's, that is, that's the tough part. But one thing I want to remind people with the now is the, you need to have a plan on how you're going to get out. So yes, right now I, you know, let me give you the story of my salon. I'm pregnant living in my car. I opened a shop up four days before my son was born. I had a full day Saturday, went to labor Sunday, had him on Tuesday, was back Saturday. Don't do that. That's, that's bad. Very bad, you know, but we lived illegally in my shop for the first six months because we were so poor. We would make ketchup sandwiches, which is don't do either. That's very gross. But I had a plan. I, I wrote down how much money I would have to spend in order to be able to get out of that. And my goal was to buy a house in five years. And I did make that happen. And the things that got me through the ketchup sandwiches, which are not pleasant, <laughs> is that I knew one day we would look back and be like, oh, thank God, it was all mm -hmm. worth it. And so when you're on a tight budget, you can't just sit there and say, oh, this is how it is. This is my life. No, you don't have to do that. What you have to say is, okay, where do I want to be and how do I get there? 
and make sure what you want actually fits your lifestyle that you want. I'm mobile now. If you had told me I was going to be mobile, feeling exclusive, I would have told you I was, that's nuts. I wanted the full-blown daycare, boarding, grooming facility, the vet in there. I wanted it all. But I also value travel. I value freedom and flexibility. I love being spontaneous. I'm that person that, hey, I don't have to work for the next three days. Let's take a flight down to Disney for a day. You know, I'm that person. And knowing what will fit my lifestyle, I have to be honest with myself. As much as I would love to do that big business, that's a lot of employees. It's a lot of time and energy and money wrapped up in that. At my stage in life, it's not what I want. It is what I want, but it's not rational. So when you're bogged down, maybe stop and think, okay, is what I'm sacrificing for what I actually want long-term? Or am I just going through the motions? And I think a lot of times it's not about how little money you have. It's about how little progress you're making. That's what's really bogging you down. That's an interesting insight and way of looking at it. Not how little money you have, but how little progress you're making because it requires a very clear goal of where you want to be and a way to measure toward that. Yeah, money is a great way to measure towards that because you know, what, what would be a good example of uh, one of your audience members? Like, what would they want? What would their ultimate goal be? Well, I think owning a house is certainly one for many people that feels out of reach to many. Perfect. So let's say I'm a dog trainer and I'm self-employed, which buying a house self-employed is very difficult. Eh? Trust me, they wanted my blood type. They wanted everything, <laughs> I swear. So, you know, go ahead and look at houses. How much is a house? And let's say they're $200,000. Great. What is, you know, most of the time, most banks, and you can call banks and ask them, how much money would I have to show for how long in order to qualify for this? And those of you married, I don't want to be a downer, but plan if your husband or wife wasn't there because life can change and you don't want your dream to pop because of, you know, relationship issues. So how much would you need to make? And then go down and look at the numbers. Let's say it's four times your income. Let's be, you know, whatever. Let's just make easy math. Let's say you have to earn $2,000 a month in order to apply for this mortgage, which is very little and that's not real numbers. But okay, so then how much do you have to make a week? I have to make $500 a week. Great. So then how much is that a day? Well, I want to work five days a week. Great. So that's $100 a day. So go ahead in your appointment book or whatever it is, or put it up on the wall, $100. Today, I didn't make $100. That's okay. How much do you have to make tomorrow? I have to make $150. Great. But I made $200. Great. So then you can either make your $100 or that week that you have a bad time. In my industry, rain is the worst because if it rains, nobody wants to come in for grooming. <laughs> All that money just washes away. So if we have a rainy day or snow, you know, I'm mobile, I don't have that problem, but people in salons, if it snows, they might have to close their entire day. That could be a thousand dollars in lost revenue. So you have to plan for the ebb and flow. So with that, when you're looking at a house, you want to have a daily, weekly, monthly goal in order to obtain that. But if you know the numbers, the math doesn't have any feelings. So you know how to get there and you're not going to feel inadequate because now you have the control, which is the numbers. Mm -hmm. That's really, I hadn't ever actually honestly thought about weather affecting grooming, but when you say it, it's a, 
duh, of course it does. You know, who wants to pick up your beautifully bathed animal and then walk through slush <laughs> to get home? Exactly. That's what I love about cat grooming. Cats, they go in their carrier, they go home, and they're in the house. So people don't, rain, snow, wind, they don't care. That's, that is an interesting thing. Never thought about it before. And it's sort of funny how we all have these blind spots about things. What's so obvious to somebody in the industry is not necessarily obvious to somebody who's not. And that piece, you know, we're both pet professionals, but that niche is a little different than my background, and I never thought about that before. Emergency funds, I think, are such an important piece. I recently read that some crazy number, like at least 40% of Americans would have trouble coming up with $1,000 on 30 days notice, which is a relatively minor emergency expense. I mean, if your dog eats a sock, that could easily be a $1,000 experience. So how do you help people build up those emergency funds as, as they're moving forward? Well, first of all, it really does depend if you are an employee or if you're a business owner. And I won't go too far into that, but if you're a business owner, you need to have a much larger emergency fund because there is no workers comp. You know, you, if you have employees, you need to be able to help them put food on their table if there's tough times and things like that. As far as if you're an employee, you know, yes, you need less, but realistically employees should have three to six months worth of expenses. Em employer should have six months to a year. Now, how do you get that money? Sounds like a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? Well, first I want to ask you, are you guys assuming if you get in an emergency, are you going to just you put it on a credit card? Is that everybody's plan? The problem with that plan is now you have your house on fire and you're taking a mortgage mm -hmm. on it, right? That is the worst time to go into debt is when the house is burning. So make sure you have your budget. And then each, you know, the way I teach people is, you know, and the roadmap to financial success is first get on a written budget, then go ahead and get a small emergency fund of $500 to $1,000 if you're an employee and about $2,500 if you're an employer. That's where you start. That is your little safety net. And really easy ways of doing that. Most places tell you like cut coffee, which doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, you know, in personal finance relief, we have a lot of great tips, but one of the best things is go through your toolkit. I promise you, you have, if you're a groomer, you have like 30 blades. If you're a dog trainer, I'm sure you have books, DVDs that you don't use anymore. Go ahead and put them on a Facebook group and make some money. You could probably sell something very quick. Now, if you're not willing to part with anything and you're still overwhelmed, start making a commitment. Commit to, okay, I'm going to save $500 this month. And then again, how many days are you working? And break it down per day. And then just take that money either out of your account or out of your pocket. If you guys make tips, tips are a great way to save that money very quickly. There's so many ways of building that emergency fund. And then after you do that, go ahead and we talk about debt and getting rid of debt. Now, most of us have a car payment, a student loan. We have a personal loan. I'm not even talking about business stuff, just mm -hmm. us. And that can very easily equal to about $1,000 a month, right? Well, if you didn't have debt, how easy would it be to build up that emergency fund? That's 10, you know, if you have $10,000 worth of debt that you're paying off in five years, you're never actually gonna be able to save $10,000 on the side. So shifting your mindset to saving versus 
debt is a big decision because once you've decided that I am no longer going to take on debt, because right now you are paying things really, you know, you buy it and then you're paying for it. So then when you need to buy something else, you can't mm -hmm. pay for it. Well, that's what's going to happen in an emergency and you've already created this cycle and that, you know, that doesn't work. It doesn't work long-term because eventually stupid will catch you from behind. <laughs> that's the truth. And we've all done stupid. I mean, I've done stupid with so many zeros. It's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it is really important. I think to be able to know that at the end of the month, you're paying off everything that's on that card. Um, regardless, like whatever it is. Uh, and I was, I was very happy to find that my sons in young adulthood had picked that up because you're never sure. You're never sure, you know, and they go out and they're suddenly earning money and like, what, what will we do with that? But what if instead of putting the money on a card and then paying it off, what if you had that money in your account and instead of having a credit limit, you had a mm -hmm. budget limit? And you had money to spend because then something's not going to happen at the end of the month. Because a lot of times that's where people get into trouble where at the end of the month they go to pay off the card and they got injured. There was less clients. Something happened. Yeah. And there's no money to pay that off. So, oh, well, I'm just going to do it again. You know, and let's be honest. Some of these cards are 24%. Oh, yeah. crazy. It's insane, but, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you get... Say you have a thousand dollars, but you had plenty of money ahead of time, but then some emergency happened. Well, now you're going to be paying 24% versus had you just said, okay, my limit, not my credit limit, but my budget limit for eating out is $200. Instead of putting that $200 on the credit card, you're actually using money you have mm -hmm. now. A really interesting way to think about debt is essentially you're, you're promising hours you haven't worked for things that you may not care about later. I love that. Say it again. Oh God. I just made that up on the, the clip. So essentially <laughs> you, what, what debt really is essentially is you are promising hours of work for things that you're probably not going to care about later because that's what you're promising. You're prom So if I spend a hundred dollars, I charge a hundred dollars an hour grooming cats. That means that I am one more hour away from my family. Mm -hmm. However, if I already have that $100, I'm going to be more frugal with it, mm -hmm. aren't I? And you don't have to be frugal necessarily. It's not about being cheap. You can be as posh as you want. But, you know, and we all think about that, don't we? Don't we ever, you know, in our industry, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like four cats whenever I talk about, <laughs> you know, an item, you know. But if you spend money, like when you're going out to eat, if you have the cash in hand instead of going on your credit card, you're going to spend mm -hmm. less. And knowing that I had to work long hours in order to buy this meal, you're going to appreciate it more. You're going to be maybe a little bit more careful about what you order and how often you go out. Because again, the credit card doesn't feel mm -hmm. real. And that's where people get into trouble with the credit cards um, because they promise to pay them off, but it doesn't feel like they're missing right. anything. Right. So obviously different people would have different categories within their budget, but are there certain categories that you recommend everyone look at as like the baseline, let's start here categories? Absolutely. So you would have housing and anything that would be as far as rent or mortgage, your utility bills, all of that, but also things like transportation, 
depending upon if you have a lease, a car payment, or if you have an outright car, those would be different. So if you have a car payment, obviously we want to pay that off as quickly as we can. So we might also have a secondary budget for to pay that car note off faster. If you have a car outright, we would have what is called a sinking fund. What a sinking fund, for those of you guys who don't know, is essentially a it's a savings account designed for a certain purpose. So if you guys have ever been a member of an HOA, a lot of times they'll have a sinking fund for a new roof because buying a new roof is very, very expensive. However, if you save up slowly over 20 years, it becomes a lot easier to manage. So if you guys own your car outright, or even I, I really suggest this when you pay your car off, start that sinking fund with the amount of money you used to pay in a car payment so you can buy your next car cash. And that's, that changes your life because if you have $450 a month, you can in 10 months buy a pretty decent mm -hmm. car. And if you want a nicer car, that's fine. You have that car for a year. Now you can buy a $10,000 car. It adds up very quickly. Besides transportation, I suggest food. Again, I, because I eat out and that's my thing. I have two things. I have one for groceries and then one for eating out because I would spend my entire grocery bill eating out. <laughs> that is... So, you know, and you can make it either way. I can, I can very easily put my grocery budget at $200 and then my eat out at 400. It doesn't matter, but you cap it. That's the biggest thing. And I can't dip into my grocery budget to go out. Why? Because then there'll be no food mm -hmm. in the house. Other basic things that you might want to think about are depending upon your hobbies. Now I'm not talking about hobbies that your business pays for, but let's say if you guys uh, show dogs, that's a big common one. If you're showing dogs, you have to make sure that you have a budget. Why? Because you can easily go to a dog show and blow all of mm. your money. Not just any of it, like all of it. Like you never knew you needed this. So go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to, you can either make it a sinking fund or if you go to shows every month, say, okay, my dog show budget's $500. And that's where a lot of times if you guys want more money in that, that's where someone might say, you know what? Maybe I'll see if I can take someone with me or I can carpool. You get more creative with your budget when you know you have a max. So if you're max 500 and you really want to go to the show, but you don't have enough money for the hotel room, well, maybe that's going to encourage you to reach out to your friends in order to say, hey, who wants to come split a room mm -hmm. with me? Or who wants to carpool? Or hey, if I bring your dogs to your handler. Yeah, but that that's mainly it. You could just... You could get more creative and that's what's going to encourage us to do when we have a limit if we want to make that limit bigger it gives us energy to be creative instead of just being like oh that stinks like okay if i have this much money how can i how can i extend this or how can i get creative um, i'm not a big diyer i'm not i i just found out there were two kinds of screwdrivers <laughs> That's news flash. Two kinds. There are two kinds. <laughs> Actually, someone just told me there's even more, and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Never, you know. So, you know, I know where somebody like I won't buy IKEA furniture, not because I don't think it's nice, but because there's no hope of me putting mm -hmm. it together. So, if I have a furniture budget, that's not an option for me, but it might be for somebody else. So, finding things like that. I think this is good too because the the framework you're offering here is very much unique for each person. It is about your own personal priorities and not the heavy weight of the shoulds. You should 
just stay home all the time. You should build your own furniture. You should, um, you know, any of those pieces that, that are some of the messages that you hear when, when you're looking at making a change in some of these areas. And those feel heavy. They make people feel uh, discouraged and beaten down before they even start. So when someone is ready to sit down and take a hard look at this, what are some of the strategies you have to make that first budget easier, to, to just actually get something going? So one way is, of course, to sign up for Personal Finance on a Leash. It is a course. However, we go through, there's a lot of group. And while it's live, we do things weekly. We do an average of one to three Facebook Lives. And we talk about anything anyone's struggling with. And one of the first weeks that we do, we talk about, and I think we talked a little about this before, was how to create a positive association with a budget. And that's so important. If you have a dog that is afraid do you sit there and beat them down and, you know, I don't even, I'm trying to not roll my eyes, but you know that, you know, the people that do, and we don't like them that, you know, when a dog is shaking and terrified, you've kind of got to say, okay, you know, you've got to create a, an area where it's going to be comfortable. So strategies that I personally use in my life to find a way to make your budget easier. So I'm very smell oriented. And I love the smell of pies and cupcakes. Like it just makes me feel like my grandmother's here. And so I will light a vanilla candle when I'm ready to do my budget because then it kind of takes me into that warm, comfy area in my mind. The other thing I do is I take my, I actually now have an electric blanket, but what I used to do is put my blanket in the dryer so I could just kind of wrap myself and be comfy. And I always remind myself to forgive myself if I don't do exactly what I'm supposed to do. I do agree that there are a lot of messages of very hard line. And maybe that works. If I was working a nine to five office job that was very boring and mundane, no. My job, you know, I've been peed on more times than I can mm -hmm. count. It's such a glamorous profession. It, it really is, you know, we get bitten, we have long hours, we have hair in our eyes. You know, we have to deal with clients that we love, but they just don't get it. So it's emotionally difficult, physically difficult. You can't punish yourself with your finances. Mm -hmm. You can't punish yourself. You have to forgive yourself that you did a lot of stupid things and then go ahead and say, okay, you know, you have an aggressive dog. Remember that dog either on the table or in, you know, in your class or in the vet office, you say, okay. It's not my fault you're mad, but let's get through this together. And just remind yourself of that. So, you know, in the course, we have these great budget forms. You can find lots of different budget forms anywhere online. I generally tell people to start by writing because most of us can get things out. Like you write lists for a mm -hmm. reason. Pen and paper is very healing. And if you don't know how much you have in debt, it's okay. You know, just start going through it. And most of the time, it's a lot it's generally not as bad as people think it is. And if it is, that's okay. Cause at least, yeah. you know, yeah. there's right? a lot to be said for really getting a clear view of what is going on, what the full picture is. And that's true in every area. Like when we're looking at behavior, we want to see all of the pieces of it before we start addressing the issue. Same thing with this. Well, this has been really, really helpful Liv river. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
I, I'm sure no one calls you liver. That's that's really not. A great that would be, you know what though? I mean, that'd be a great nickname for dog training, <laughs> though, right? I mean, the dogs would all love me. It'd be fantastic. So, um, if people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? They could go to my website, which is savvy s a v v y groomer dot com. That's the best way to catch me. I do my grow wealthy grooming which is also easy for other pet professionals to watch. That is on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is on YouTube, which you will find the link right on my website. Lots of great resources there. Awesome. I will link to that in the show notes as well. That will be great so everyone can find it when they are looking for it. Thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. This was an important topic for us to cover. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad. I know everyone who's not quite sure how to start, just do it. It's think about it this way. You know, you had to take that first step into being a pet professional. That's a scare. That is a much scarier step, especially when you've got to tell your family you want to work with animals for mm -hmm. a living, you know, but it's so worth it. And once you get this under control, you can really live your dreams and there's nothing better than yeah. that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. Are you looking for ways to feel better fast and make it last? Do you want more actionable ideas and strategies? Would you like to connect with other amazing pet professionals who care about helping animals and creating healthy, fun work cultures? If so, you are going to love the Unleashed Resilience community. Visit ColleenPilar.com community for more information. I can't wait to see you there.